Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. This is Colorado Edition from KUNC. On today's show, overdose deaths are at frightening highs across the country and in Colorado. This is a Coloradoan issue. We all have a role to play. Uh, in stemming the overdose epidemic and also keeping each other healthy. We'll look at the state's role in preventing overdose deaths and hear about a decades-old program in Boulder that works to reduce harm. That and more coming up. You're listening to KUNC's Colorado Edition. I'm Erin O'Toole. Later in the show, we'll explore a report from the Interior Department that outlines serious problems of neglect and misconduct at tribal jails. But first, we're going to examine a growing problem here and across the U.S., the overdose death epidemic. Last November, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention indicated that for the first time, drug overdose deaths topped 100,000 annually across a period of 12 months ending in April of 2021. Around three-quarters of those overdose deaths are attributed to both prescription and illicit opioids, with increases in deaths from both synthetic opioids like fentanyl and semi-synthetic opioids such as oxycodone and hydrocodone. Many experts have tied the worsening situation to the ongoing pandemic and to the growing prevalence of fentanyl. According to state data, the situation in Colorado largely mirrors what public health experts are seeing across the country. In 2020, 1,477 Coloradans died from drug overdose. Deaths due to fentanyl doubled in the first year of the pandemic to 452. That's up from 214 the year prior. To better understand what the worsening drug overdose crisis looks like in Colorado and the work being done at the state and county levels to prevent overdoses and address the underlying root causes, we're joined by Sam Borden, Harm Reduction Grant Coordinator with the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. We're also joined by Georgia Babatsikos, Harm Reduction Manager with the Works Program in Boulder County. That's a program which for decades has provided services to reduce the risk of disease and overdose death. Sam and Georgia, welcome to both of you. I'd like to start with you, Sam. As we mentioned, nearly 1,500 Coloradans died in 2020 due to drug overdoses, and the number of deaths due to illicit fentanyl doubled in the first year of the pandemic. You work with the state's health department. Can you give us an overview of the situation in Colorado right now? How would you characterize this moment? So thank you. Um, Exactly like you first said in your introduction, uh, we are seeing the same sort of increase in fentanyl uh, in every substance in the in the U.S. and in Colorado. We're seeing it um, in Xanax and benzodiazepines. We're seeing it in methamphetamine and stimulants, and we're seeing it in opiates, where that that original um, kind of cross contamination started to happen. Um, and this is this is happening in the illicit market. Um, really, it has been exacerbated by the pandemic. The pandemic interrupted the supply chain of both illicit economic markets and of the illicit drug supply. And so we started seeing more of this prevalence of fentanyl. And fentanyl is a, a legitimate medical drug, and some people do seek it out um, illicitly. They may have a higher tolerance. 
Um, however, it is now contaminating other substances without people's knowledge. And so people who are opiate naive take these substances and may experience a, a very swift overdose that could be fatal. And so with that contamination of fentanyl, we're seeing this huge uptick in overdose across our state. We lost, like you said, about 1,500 individuals to overdose of all substances in the last um, reportable year, so 2020. Um, and we're seeing that uptick every single year since uh, 2000. Okay. You work specifically with harm reduction grants. Uh, I want to talk more about funding for drug overdose prevention in the state, but first let me ask about harm reduction. Could you give us a quick explanation of what that means for people who aren't familiar and what harm reduction looks like in practice? Sure. So harm reduction is not a new philosophy, um, but it can be controversial when it comes to substance use. It actually became popularized during the HIV AIDS epidemic and was started by people who were most affected by HIV and AIDS. Um, and it's really been informed by the people most affected by the harms of substance use, sexual activity, um, communicable diseases uh, throughout our history. We know that being a human being and interacting in our world can be inherently dangerous. And so we utilize all sorts of tools to keep ourselves safe, whether that's helmets, life jackets, masks, condoms, seatbelts. Uh, really, we're trying to help people have the autonomy to make their own choices and also live to see another day. So with harm reduction, really it's a evidence-based uh, realistic approach to drug use. We recognize that substance use has always been a part of human history. Uh, everybody has a, re a relationship with substances, whether it's positive or negative. Um, and really we can do a lot of different things to try and reduce harm and reduce death due to drug use. We know that every overdose death is a preventable death. And so the work that we're doing in the state and the work that our partners are doing uh, is really critical in stemming this spate of fatalities that we've been seeing for quite some time. Well, with your work coordinating grants for harm reduction, how does that high-level work with funding impact the lives of Coloradans who may use drugs and are grappling with some of the things that we've talked about so far? So on the state level, we are very, very lucky to get to work with and support organizations across the state that are really working locally in our communities um, on efforts that are best suited for their populations. And so this comes down to impacting people's day-to-day -day health, whether it's providing them naloxone to reverse an overdose or safer use supplies to help them avoid HIV or hep C infection um, or basic medical services so they know how to keep themselves safe and their friend, friends safe from any of the associated risks due to drug use. Georgia, let's bring you in because you're also well-versed in this as the harm reduction manager with the WORKS program in Boulder County, which has been around for decades. Tell us about the program and the work that you do as the harm reduction manager. So we are the third oldest program in the country. We started around 33 years ago, one year after the federal ban on federal syringe programs came into effect. And so basically, as Sam mentioned, our goal is to reduce HIV and hepatitis C infections and reduce, reduce deaths due to overdoses. So what it looks like in practice is that we provide free HIV and hepatitis C testing. We provide harm reduction equipment, including syringes and other supplies. We do overdose prevention and education, and we provide Narcan and fentanyl test strips. We also refund recovery services as well as treatment services in the jail. 
Georgia, we just heard from Sam about the statewide picture. I'm wondering what the situation is like in Boulder County. What have you seen and observed through the course of the pandemic? So we have had to um, continue to deliver our services outside of buildings um, because there was still a demand for services. We had about the same number of people using the program, but the actual supplies that we were giving out was 50 to 100% more. So it, the stress of COVID really took its toll on our program participants. So, And we also similarly saw an um, increase in the overdoses in the last two to three years. So definitely, um, you know, we're seeing that fentanyl is having a huge impact in the community, both the people seeking fentanyl and people looking at, you know, other you know substances and finding that fentanyl is in there so it's being manufactured um, and incorporated into the substances so we're hearing a lot from participants about how um, scary that is for them for people who don't want it um, and for people who are choosing it because it's so unregulated they can't tell how much of the substance is there and how to self-regulate so a lot of people are overdosing either way Another key part of the WORKS program is the relationship with law enforcement. Walk us through that side of the program and how it works. So law enforcement has been um, a major key to this program being successful in Boulder County. We work closely with um, the police and the DA's office. Their approach, particularly with the DA's office, is early intervention and prevention. So um, we have a substance abuse early intervention program where people, first time offenders can go through this program and they have been super supportive. They understand harm reduction. Without them, I don't think this program would have been around this long. If you are just joining us, we're speaking with Georgia Babatsikos, Harm Reduction Manager with the Works Program in Boulder County, and with Sam Borden, Harm Reduction Grant Coordinator for the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. Georgia, I'm wondering how how common are programs like yours? I know there are programs in places like Denver where people can get naloxone and fentanyl test strips, for example, but... I can't imagine there are many with the history and the support that the WORKS program has. So there are, uh, there is a national network um, that organizes all the different syringe access programs in terms of mapping. And there, so there are about 488 around the country as of today's count. 12 of them are in Colorado and most of them along the I-25 corridor. So that makes it difficult for people in rural areas uh, accessing programs. So we are looking at supporting a lot of new programs out because we've been around a long time. We're mentoring other programs in the rural areas. But also if you look around the state, around our state, the states around us, there are almost no programs. So if you look at this map, you know, anywhere but this Midwest area is uh, there aren't many programs. So there is a huge need to do more. And a lot of the conservative local governments don't agree with it or don't understand or support it. So that's the challenge that we have even within our state, working with these other programs, you know, working with the police. They can't believe that we work so well with the police. So that's a huge and huge part of it is working with those local counties to get theirs up and running and overcome those barriers with law enforcement. 
That's the first part of our conversation with Sam Borden, Harm Reduction Grant Coordinator with the State Health Department, and Georgia Babatsikos with the WORKS program in Boulder County. We'll be back with more after a short break. You're listening to Colorado Edition from KUNC. To better understand the worsening epidemic of drug overdose deaths as it unfolds in Colorado, we're speaking today with Sam Borden. She's the Harm Reduction Grant Coordinator with the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. We're also joined by Georgia Babatsikos, Harm Reduction Manager with the WORKS program in Boulder County, which works to reduce the risk of disease and overdose death. Sam, what does access to safe use and harm reduction services look like across our state or even just across the front range? I would imagine many of these issues look pretty different in rural Colorado, for example. We do have some syringe access programs on the western slope, the southeast corner of the state, uh, but it definitely uh, needs additional support or these different organizations need additional support. We have about 25 counties that don't have a localized harm reduction program. And that is a a huge gap, especially looking at how many lives are being lost just to overdose, not even to mention the other harms that are associated with drug use. Um, And that number is likely an underestimate as well because of our inability to really get that full picture through toxicology reporting, autopsy. Um, So we know that there's gaps that exist and our hope at the state level is to continue advocating for harm reduction as an evidence-based practice, uh, really building up support for additional programs to open and operate in these areas that, that need that service. Um, and we're, we're grateful to the, the existing syringe access and harm reduction programs for sharing their expertise and being willing to really advance uh, this work across the state. What do you say when people, you know, say, oh, this is just a problem in the metro areas. This doesn't exist out in, you know, some of the more rural areas. Well, unfortunately, I think that response is is getting uh, less common because we know how prevalent these overdose deaths and events have been across our state and across the nation. Um, And truly, like I mentioned before, we all have a relationship with substance use and we likely know someone in our life who uses substances, we may be that person. Um, And with that contamination effect that's happening, no one can be truly sure of what's existing within their substance. So if you were in an area that has a higher prevalence of stimulant use, at this point, there could still be that fentanyl cross-contamination in that substance. And so the hope is that these smaller communities, these rural communities really latch on to this tool um, that has been successful in the metro areas and utilize the tools that the state provides and the other providers who are working through harm reduction provide uh, to help support their community and really get this, uh, this pathway that we haven't yet utilized to reduce harm. Well, Sam, I'm wondering what you think people should take away from what we've been talking about here, whether that's how to access available resources or maybe even how to think about some of these issues? That's a great question. One of the fundamental pieces is that, um, like we've mentioned, substance use can affect anyone and every single death from overdose is preventable. Um, And it's preventable by friends, family members, and strangers. I encourage everyone to carry naloxone. It's very easy to administer you should be able to access it at your local harm reduction organization or the pharmacy. And you never know when you're gonna be able to save a life 
I also encourage folks to, to really confront their own stigma that might exist. It's hard to exist uh, through you know, generations without kind of absorbing some of the messaging that we've had in the past that doesn't really take into account the biopsychosocial influences of drug use and why it happens. Um, and so really extending that compassion and extending that compassion to all populations. Uh, no one is more worthy than another person uh, for services and for the ability to, to see another day. And so this is a Coloradoan issue. We all have a role to play uh, in stemming the overdose epidemic and also keeping each other healthy. And Georgia, I'd like to, to give you the opportunity to answer that question too. Uh, what would you like people to know about what we've been covering here? Uh, or maybe how can people in Boulder County access your services? So I have a big picture answer and a small specific answer. I think the big picture takeaway, um, and this comes from the National Association of State and Territory um, AIDS Directors, is the overdose the opioid overdose epidemic is the most visible indicator of a much broader set of intersecting health and social issues related to drug use, healthcare access, mental health, criminalization, racism, and poverty. So I think understanding, as Sam said, sort of the issues that lead to the, over, um, the opioid epidemic, um, and I would add trauma into there as well. And then in terms of specifics, our program, we have program services in Longmont, Lafayette, and two in Boulder City. And so we have offices available. Some of them are 24 hours. They're all free. And we would um, encourage people to get onto our website if they want more information, the WORKS program, Boulder County Public Health. And, um, yeah, just tell friends about it. We do a lot of training of community organizations as well on Narcan and harm reduction. So we're available at the community level as well. Okay. And I'd like to ask you both what you see on the horizon here. What does success on this front look like to you? Georgia, do you want to take that first? Well, one of the things that's coming up is the opioid litigation funding, which is a really important part of the justice for what has happened in terms of the way opioids have been um, pushed through the medical system as a financial gain and incentive. So I think um, rectifying that and giving that back to the people hardest hit by that is going to be really important through those opioid litigation funds. And also just the ongoing support and understanding of uh, evidence-based prevention strategies that actually work. So we are grateful for the support that we get for that at the state level and through most of our legislative and legal authorities. And Sam, how about you? What do you see on the horizon um, and, and what, what will success look like for you? I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm cautiously hopeful that we are moving in a direction where we are ready to try things that we haven't tried before instead of um, utilizing methods that we found aren't really stemming, you know, this overdose death epidemic. Uh, if you heard the State of the Union, harm reduction was mentioned, um, and that was a pretty historic moment uh, because it's it's often, you know, like I said, been considered a controversial strategy. Um, and I think, unfortunately, through tragedy, 
um, we are starting to come together um, and think of ways in which we can address this compassionately uh, through evidence. Um, and, and that's my hope is that we continue to mobilize the, the energy of both our state and the nation to really address this crisis and make sure that we do so sustainably while also considering all of the other factors that Georgia mentioned, um, you know, that contribute to substance use and to uh, poor health outcomes. Sam Borden is a harm reduction grant coordinator for the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. And Georgia Babatsikos is the harm reduction manager with the WORKS program in Boulder County. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. A report commissioned by the U.S. Interior Department outlines serious problems at tribal jails. It follows a Mountain West News Bureau and NPR investigation that found neglect and misconduct led to deaths at the jails. KUNC's Robin Vincent spoke with relatives and advocates about the findings. For Laura Sue Pepian, the report detailing her brother Willie's death has only deepened her grief. Reading it, she thought, death wouldn't have occurred if they took the proper protocols. They had the proper training. Willie Pepian was arrested for disorderly conduct in May 2020 after he was in a fight. A doctor cleared him for incarceration. He spent 13 hours in a cell at the Blackfeet Correctional Facility in Browning, Montana, and was found dead, having choked on his own vomit. Pepian was 22 years old. The report for the Interior Department says jail staff didn't have personal protection equipment, so they didn't take any measures to save Pepian. There were so many people that seen him that night that could have saved his life, but they just didn't care. According to the report, jail staffers also falsified records to indicate they had regularly monitored Pepian when they actually hadn't. His sister wants more information. And just trying to understand, like, how a case like my brother's, which is listed as a homicide, is now federally closed. She's also trying to understand why Darren Cruzan was hired by the Interior Department to review deaths of her brother and 15 others in tribal jails. Cruzan is the department's former top cop. His consulting company was awarded an $83,000 contract even though some of the deaths happened on his watch. It's like somebody being hired to put out the fire that they created with gasoline. The Interior Department and the Cruzan Group have defended the contract award. An agency official said it didn't violate federal regulations. The report also says many jail staffers didn't know CPR and were often unprepared to handle medical problems. It recommended training for staffers. Brandy Tomhave is an attorney and member of the Choctaw Nation who focuses on health care in tribal jails. She says Native people are regularly denied proper care because the jails lack doctors or nurses. There's just guards, and those guards are unfairly expected to medically monitor people, to make clinical decisions for which they are not in any way qualified. That was the case with Richard Bennett. In 2018, he was arrested for possession of an open container and held at the Blackfeet Correctional Facility. The 28-year-old told guards he had chest pains, but his complaint was dismissed. Hours later, he collapsed. Two guards argued about whether he had a pulse. 
The report says that dispute delayed any life-saving measures for the next seven minutes. Seven minutes that bring to mind one thing for Tom Rogers. The nine-minute gap with regard to George Floyd. The fellow Blackfeet member with the Rocky Mountain Tribal Leaders Council says those crucial minutes are eerily familiar. The lives of Floyd, who was black, and Bennett, who was native, were devalued by people in the criminal justice system. Neither is here today. Rogers says these conditions must change. Some lawmakers agree. Our facilities and our resources in Indian country in terms of detention and corrections have to have a level of resource equity, and they don't have it now. That's Congressman Raul Grijalva. He chairs the House Committee that oversees the Interior Department. The urgency of, of this equity question has been brought up before, and now it's, it has more urgency, and we're going to exercise oversight. Grijalva wouldn't go into details about what that oversight might entail, but the need for it isn't new. Problems in tribal jails have persisted for at least two decades. And for Laura Sue Pepian, the urgency comes too late. Something like this being fixed, it would just numb the pain a little more than what it is right now. The Bureau of Indian Affairs recently announced reforms to its jails. The changes include more training on how to perform in-custody death investigations, but they don't address larger issues like the need for better health care. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Robin Vincent. KUNC is a member of the Mountain West News Bureau, a regional reporting collaboration. You can find more stories at our website, KUNC.org. And that's our show for today. Tomorrow on Colorado Edition, we talk with veteran ski journalist Heather Hansman about her new book and about the future of ski towns in the Mountain West, many of which are grappling with a range of economic, environmental, and social issues. I'm Erin O'Toole. Our production team includes Henry Zimmerman and Tess Novotny. Digital editing is handled by Ashley Jeffcoat and Jackie High. Thank you so much for listening. This is Colorado Edition from KUNC. KUNC.